Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Of 
Oh, to find the balance is the purpose of this time. To restore the balance of the universal mind. And I sense your presence. I sense your presence. I sense your presence. I sense your presence.
the, the incredible guest I've had on. And that gives you a chance to learn about what other people are doing. Maybe that's an option for your code energy. I also have highlighted many different musical artists along the way, usually at the turning points of the year. And our final show is going to be recapping. Um, it's going to be a lot of different things, but it will be including the work of many of the artists that we've had on the show. So it's going to be really, really wonderful. Um, I had Peter Cotter on the show, had uh, Stephen Halpern on the show, uh, Wilson Green, just all kinds of great people from all different eclectic music styles. So it's been wonderful. Here we do delve into a variety of different topics and tools and resource, uh, resources, and that gives you a chance to do a little personal exploration, gain some universal insights, and just kind of in general expand your perception of how life in the world works. Now what I do is I'm a coding interpreter, and I interpret a person's life codes to allow them to live a life filled with compassion. So I'm looking at their individual blueprint and this information and how that their energy is flowing and vibrating in the world. And in addition to that, I've created the Genesis Statement, and that's available to experience where other people have interviewed me. You can find that on the Media tab under Radio Shows. Well, actually, it's under the Code Connection uh, range, right in that same range under the Media tab on my website. I have four books that I've authored, You, Me, Like Dreams, and that's companion workbook, which are based on relationships and finding that perfect companion that's going to work for you and how to see through those challenges of a relationship and also activating compassion and its companion workbook, which are the first two um, books that I put out there. And then in addition, I'm also a collaborator on a fifth book called Embraced by the Divine, The Emerging Women's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose. Um, In addition to that, I've created the True North Tour, a multi-state tour, nationwide tour, Um, Actually, I'm working on branching into Canada with that, including workshops and retreats and book signings and all kinds of various things. And um, there's going to be some interesting pieces because I am actually doing more research right now, um, some things related to the codes and bringing out the truth of of our core ancestry or core connection with the divine. So that's going to be something to stay tuned with, (laughs) like I said, even beyond this show. So you can check out all my work, by the way, through my website, which is CompassionCodes.com. And also I greatly appreciate all those that have been sharing my shows and continue to share my shows and that, that tune in and do share them because when you do, you are changing lives. And I've literally had people who have come to me and said, you have no idea what was going on in my life. And if it wasn't for this show, if it wasn't listening to this particular guest or that particular situation you were talking about, I wouldn't be here today. And these are powerful things. You don't know whose life you're going to touch along the way, so I encourage you, share it. You never know what's going on with people out there in your sphere, and it may be exactly what they need. They can always come in, listen to it using the same link you came in to the live show with and listen to it at their convenience as an archive. Um, In addition to that, they can catch it as a podcast at itunes.tunein.com or on my YouTube channel. Usually I get it up within a couple of days, but sometimes it takes a little longer (laughs) than that. And again, whatever their means are, they've got a chance to listen to it that way. Now, before we get started on everything today, those that have been listening to me throughout the last four years know that I like to flip the page every week in a book called The 72 Names of God. It's by Yehuda Berg. And Yehuda is a really wonderful Kabbalah master 
that likes to take the big giant concepts, put them into everyday language, and help us connect to those concepts. So even I will use this book. I'll just randomly open sometimes to get a message on some things or get some additional insight on things. But the message that we have this week, we have the common name of God this week being water. And uh, I know that he, he comes up with some very unique things in his terminology. And his initial message for this is the worst polluted body of water on the planet is not some highly contaminated lake. It is the human body, which consists of over 65% water. Now, the insight that he goes on to give with this is, according to science, water is the most mysterious and least understood substance in the universe. According to Kabbalah, water is the light of God made manifest in the physical world. Hence, water pollution is both a physical and spiritual crisis. When the water in our lakes and the water in our cells are tainted with physical and spiritual toxins, our personal and global immune systems are dangerously weakened. Genuinely pure water has the power to cleanse both physically and spiritually. In the same way that water miraculously dissolves dirt, grime, and filth from the physical body, water's metaphysical essence dissolves away the spiritual uncleanliness and negativity that we brought upon our body and soul. The Kabbalists say water can naturally heal, water can rejuvenate, and water holds the secret to immortality. But centuries of war, persecution, and hatred took its toll. Thus, water lost its intrinsic power. This name helps to return all water to the original divine and pristine state. And, you pure, and then he goes on to give some meditation on this, which is, you purify the waters of the earth and awaken the forces of healing and immortality. And I have to say this is true. This actually ties in with some code research that I'm doing related to caves. And it really backs it up. A lot of our divine core is in water sources. And, um, and so that's why the springs have always been so valued along the way. And, of course, it's it's always interesting what name comes up from week to week because it always connects with what our guest is talking about and our guest is talking about relationships today. And of course, um, water is the element connected to love and relationships. So um, I, I just love the synchronicities <laughs> that always happen on this show. It always works out well. So the common name we have this week is water. Formal name that we have this week is Bob Mendes. Okay, and that is something that you can find. Uh, I've got the messages on my website, Jesse, or not Jesse, I'm not my old one, compassioncodes.com. And uh, I posted up there, it's left up there for a week, so you can go back and reflect on it. Now, a little message here, a little way to get our minds thinking and ticking as we get into the show today. And this will kind of get your thoughts going in the direction of our topic and our guest and what they're going to be talking about today. How have relationships been in your life? And have you struggled or thrived as time went on to keep the relationship growing? And do you find yourself suddenly triggered at times with what seems like no logical reason? Even the strongest of relationships are likely to face the challenge of endurance. While I was blessed to have parents that made it until death did they part, 
I also knew many who did not make it to that point. For some, it was a short time into the relationship or marriage, and for others, decades. Now, it is no secret that the masculine and feminine energies function and communicate differently. At times, they flow together well, and at times, it seems like one or the other is blindsided by a reaction from their partner. It is these reactions that may seemingly surface out of nowhere that can create argument and even sever the emotional and spiritual connections that you have shared. So what does it take to create that relationship that is so, that one that so many people dream of, the one that lasts in loving vibration for a lifetime and perhaps beyond? I can think of so many things that play into this. There's learning to speak the language of one's partner, a true knowing and understanding of who they are and how they function in the world. But like with many things in life, we tend to seek the answers and solutions in what lies outside of ourselves. However, as with anything in life, the answers lie within ourselves. And it comes back to us. This is because even more than knowing your partner, it is important to know oneself, to understand what our triggers are and why and to learn what the experiences are that created them and the patterns that we have been programmed with and chosen to keep in our lives. I have found that it is up to me to learn and understand these things. It is up to me to realize what I am okay with and not and honor that. It is up to me to know if this is a person that I can truly be myself with and if there is a real situation that needs to be dealt with. Or am I simply responding to patterns that have I put into place for, I don't know, one reason or another? And I am the one who is responsible for checking in and seeing if I am creating a situation that may not truly exist so that I can keep my own beliefs and patterns in place. It is my experience that communication is one of the greatest tools in relationships. To be able to communicate in a transparent yet compassionate way seems to be one of the greatest life skills that we can develop. Through learning how to communicate with each other may take some time. I should say though, maybe. <laughs> it, it, it can take some time. It can take some practice. But it will be a great catalyst for opening the doors to a lasting relationship. Even the best connections will experience challenges as we shift and change through the years. I know that I am a much different person today than I was 30 years ago. My views, thoughts, and ways of being in the world are quite different than they were then. Each of us shifts and changes with the cycles of life. Yet having a foundation that includes others and allows them to cross the various thresholds of life can lead us to deepening and strengthening our relationships in the most wonderful ways. Have you learned ways to identify and deal with your triggers? And what works for you in sustaining a lasting relationship? And have you learned to maneuver the cycles of life within relationships? A lot to take in, and I'm really, really excited to be bringing on today's guest and to have this as an opportunity because I think this is a great time to have her on the show. And um, I do want to get to, we have one more piece here before we go on break and bring our guest on. 
And that is our code energy for the week. And again, this energy, like Yehuda's message, is on, um, if you go to the media tab, the code connection, insights and messages, uh, it will be up there and you can access it throughout the week. Now, the code energy for this week is all about taking command of your life and stepping into your own power. And this time opens a portal of energy that allows us to connect with infinite wisdom and to connect with our creative self. When we connect with the creative self, we are also aligning with divine presence and the truth of who we are. It is important that you focus on your own plans and ideas at this time. And when you carry out your own things, you are able to bring in a beautiful harvest for yourself. There will not only be enough for you, but enough to share with all around you. The more you allow yourself to embrace this energy, the more you set forth a current of energy that aligns you with further blessings and fortunate happenings in future days. Do not be afraid to assert yourself and claim your freedom and independence. Trust your own wisdom. All you need to know is within you and available to access at any time. Pretty great stuff there, and we've got an amazing week with some amazing influences to look forward to, so I hope you'll definitely take full advantage of them. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have Liz Tobin with me, and she's going to be talking about relationship resonance and what we can do to have a fulfilling relationship that is lasting. The song I have for you during our break is called In the Lamplight. It's by Claire Hedin. And i uh, very, very grateful for Claire letting me use her music for the last four years <laughs> on this show. She's an amazing artist, amazing music that she puts out, and just a beautiful, beautiful soul. You can check out more of her work, by the way, through her website at clairehedin.com. And that's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes. I just can't move on. 
Welcome back. You are listening to The Code Connection, and my name is Jesse on Nichols George, and that song that you were listening to is by Claire Hedin. It's called In the Lamplight, and you can connect again with all of Claire's work at www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And today I have with me Liz Tobin. And uh, she can help you overcome your relationship challenges and experience more joy, connection, and intimacy with your partner. She has the uncanny ability to identify and transform the hidden patterns you bring to your couple's relationship that trigger arguments, create distance, and kill that emotional connection that you long for in your relationship. By clearing these patterns, you can keep your relationship growing so that it supports both you and your partner over the long term. In addition to being a certified resonance repatterning practitioner, Liz has been married for 24 years, so she knows what it takes to sustain a fulfilling, long-term, committed relationship. She has helped hundreds of people grow a deeper connection with their partner and feel more loved, cherished, and nurtured in their relationship. For more information about Liz, you can visit her website, which is LizTobin.com. That's L-I-Z-T-O-B-I-N.com. Liz, welcome to The Code Connection. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I, it took me a little longer to bring you on. I was a little long-winded, I think, <laughs> today, so I apologize for that. But uh, I would love for you to start off by sharing what brought you into doing the work that you're doing. Well, I had a very circuitous uh, career path. I started my my professional life as an attorney, and I lasted like two years. And then I went on to, to work at a battered women's shelter, and I 
worked at uh, community organizing coalitions. I've worked at, in the nonprofit sector. And um, it was kind of a perfect storm of convergences that led me to resonance repatterning. I had just gotten back from 18 months in the Caribbean, and I was cycling in and out of jobs. Uh, I had also had a car accident, and actually it was the physical discomfort that I was experiencing from the car accident that led me to to search for something that would um, relieve my pain and and restore my physical mobility. And a friend of mine told me about resonance repatterning, and I had a session, and I was just amazed at the results that I got physically. Um, my head and, and neck pain, my back pain dissipated. But also what really struck me was the information that came out of the session, the insight that I got into why I was cycling in and out of jobs so quickly and what was going on in my life, what had led me to the place where I was in that moment. So I decided to learn the repatterning process for myself. And in the course of doing that, I started to give myself sessions and then I started to share it with friends and family. And that opened up the possibility for me to see I could do this as a career. And so um, after about 18 months of, from when I first did, took my first repatterning seminar until I got um, certified, I, um, I was using the process. I had used it um, to find a new job in an Internet company of all places. Um, I got laid off from the Internet company and uh, decided to open up my full-time practice. And I've been doing that since 2001. I've been doing resonance repatterning as my full-time practice ever since. It's quite a journey because you really have bounced <laughs> between a lot of different things in there. And, you know, what's, what's interesting is that you went through the car accident and it was the physical pain, the physical discomfort that, that kind of got you around into this path. Um, and, and it seems like that happens a lot for people where they hit a really big challenge or an unexpected um, obstacle in their life that starts to really turn them around and get them so-called on track or onto their work in things. Um, so you were getting these great results and said, hey, <laughs> let's, let's move this on. But for people who don't understand what this resonance repatterning is about, can you share a little bit more about what that is and what is involved in that? Sure. Um, so the repatterning process was developed by a woman named Chloe Wordsworth, and she started out as an acupuncturist. And then she went on to study lots of different healing systems. She studied um, Ayurvedic, um, East Indian Ayurvedic system of the chakras. She studied um, polarity therapy. She studied working with um, sound and color and light, aromatherapy. She also started to delve into physics and resonance 
and she studied NLP and kinesiology and brain chemistry and astrology, and she synthesized all of this information that she was just gathering over the course of about 15 to 20 years into this one process that she calls resonance repatterning. And it's, it's difficult to describe how a session goes because the process is so comprehensive and no one session is the same. So it uses, I'll give you like the, the, uh, the cliff note version, it uses kinesiology or muscle checking to tap into the client system. And what we're trying to identify is what are the resonant frequency patterns that need to shift. So we're looking at patterns of energy that are negative, that we are resonating with, we're turning those off. We're also looking at patterns of energy that are positive or coherent that we're not resonating with, and we turn those on. And like I said, it's um, what I found most fascinating about the process is that it's a very interactive process. There's a lot of information that comes through in a session. It's kind of like like a combination of physics and psychology and energy healing and spiritual coaching all wrapped into one. So, so not only do you receive the transformation from the session, but you also receive the insight and the information and the awareness that I think is really valuable in order to, to help you maintain the shifts. I feel like this is so important, and what you're doing is a great deal in alignment with the work that I do with codes, um, helping people get into this alignment state, and um, and it's a very similar process in some ways, but totally different avenues at the same time. Um, and, and I can relate to the work because I myself blend multiple <laughs> pieces into things and to say, okay, here's exactly the way it's going to go. It doesn't happen that way because it is. It's a little bit unique for each person, a little bit different depending on what they're going through. And as you say, what they're connecting with or or not connecting with along the way. And I like that analogy that it's it's kind of like, you know, here's here's what you're connecting with. Here's what you're not. Here's where we need to unplug you. Here's where we need to put you back into plug. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, the patterns that that we carry in our energy field, you know, we can talk about them as energy, which is at their essence what they are. But on a practical level, these patterns that we are carrying in our field that are emanating out from us, they are what drive our behavior. They are what drive our thoughts. They are what um, influences who we're attracting into our life, what we're attracting. And so you can, when you get to the energetic structure of an issue and, and actually shift the, the structure of that, then people notice, oh, things start to flow more or they're not going around that same repetitive pattern in their mind or they start to attract different kinds of people that are more supportive 
or they're attracting more opportunities, or maybe they're seeing the opportunities that maybe were all already there before them, but because they were looking at life through the lens of a negative pattern, they weren't able to see the positive aspect. Yes, and I think I think this is a big thing with people today because, uh, you know, as you mentioned in this process, part of it is, is the awareness and becoming aware that indeed this is what I'm doing and this action creates this result. Um, this, if I take this step and I'm thinking about, oh no, the weather could be really, really horrible <laughs> and create a flood, you know, then I'm on a residence with flooding, uh, for example, but if I was to shift that thought pattern and go, okay, well, we've got a storm coming in, but I'm going to focus on how much nourishment that's going to give the lawns and the land, and it's it's really going to, to provide that nourishment versus it's going to create a flood. Is that the type of thing that you're talking about? That's a piece of it. Certainly our perception and what we focus on However, there's a lot going on on the unconscious level that we're not aware of. So even if we're focused on the positive, sometimes we still attract things that we don't necessarily like or things that we don't want. So, so the repatterning process is a way to get underneath that and find out what's going on on the unconscious level. What are the unconscious drivers that are influencing our behavior or that are getting in the way of or interfering with our being able to manifest our positive intentions. And what we do is we're not just looking at the positive. We're also looking at the, the negative patterns as well because it's important to understand what those patterns are. You know, it's kind of like shadow work. If you suppress and deny your shadow, it doesn't mean it goes away. It means it kind of leaks out sideways and kind of pops up and jumps out in ways that knock you off center and make you feel that you can't control, right? So so it's kind of like, you know, looking into your shadow, making friends with the shadow, and being able to integrate all of the aspects of yourself so that you can use the different qualities in a more conscious way. And this makes sense to me um, because so many people are afraid to delve into that shadow. So many people are afraid to look at that side. They're worried they're going to make things worse or they already feel hard enough or they've been programmed to fear the shadow. I see a lot of that um, going on. And... I think there's a very fine line between, sometimes anyways, between embracing and understanding to work with the shadow and being overpowered by the shadow. Right. You don't want to, like, wallow in it. Right. And and I think that's the difference with the repatterning process between um, regular therapy and resonance repatterning. In regular therapy, you kind of go back and you rehash 
your traumas and you, and you talk about your issues and you go in and you sort of like unpack your 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 trunk of baggage and you look at it, you talk about it, and then time's up. And then you pack it back up again and, and bring it home with you and you come back next week and do the same thing. Well, in each repatterning session, you actually do something that shifts the energy around those patterns so that you're releasing the trauma, you're releasing the pain, and you're able to take the learning from the experiences and move forward in a way that's more empowered. And this is an important thing because what you're what you're mentioning here is to take action when it's up and on the surface, when we've got the awareness of what it is. Um I mean, it's kind of like kind of like going to the kitchen and cleaning the dishes out of the sink while they're when you first put them in, versus saying, "Oh, I'll get to them next week. We'll just leave them there and get to them next week." Um, you know, it creates a lot of attention every time you go to the kitchen and see that sink full of dirty dishes, right? Uh, in there, so this in this case, what you're doing is addressing the issue as it's coming up, basically. You might get to one issue in a session versus three issues, but at least that one issue is getting addressed. Right. And and the interesting thing is oftentimes you might come in with a certain issue that you want to work on or you have an intention that you want to work on, but the session takes you in a totally different direction. and And sometimes you're delving into the unknown and you're wondering, well, what does this have to do with what my original intention was? But by the end of the session, you do get to see how it's all connected. And so it's, it, it takes you in a way that is more organic and is honoring of your system without being driven by your conscious mind and your ego. Because if you could figure it out with your mind and your ego, you would have done that already. So this this lets you go at the issue from a deeper level and and clear things that you may not even have realized or thought about that were impacting the issue. What you're saying is so important, Liz, um, you know, when we look at these things because a lot of times we're so ready to scapegoat it and say, you know, it's what my, it's what this situation is doing or this person is doing in my life that's irritating me. And if that wasn't going on, my life would be perfect. <laughs> right? yeah. And yet we can take that situation away and yet we still have the same struggle. So it's kind of like, you know, and I want to get, I want to have you do a transition of how you took this, this process and started applying it to relationships. But it's kind of like when you get into a relationship with somebody and you think, man, if they just wouldn't do this one little thing, it would all be great. (laughs) Instead of realizing that in this session what you're saying is, for example, I might go in this session and go, you know, I have the worst time keeping a relationship. It's great for the first three months, and then it just seems like, all have breaks loose <laughs> in it at this point. And in your process, what I might find out is that it's it's not that the person is so bad or that the situation is so bad, but 
maybe I would find out that I've got passive-aggressive tendencies going on. And that's there with or without that person. Right. That's that's the thing about relationships. It, it, you can You can switch partners, but unless you get to the underlying patterns, you may not you you may not improve overall your relationships you know it's sort of like the same story different partner i know a lot of people that tell me that they repeat the same patterns in relationships and a lot of that comes from what we've been conditioned with um we we learn how to do relationships from the adults around us from from the society what society tells us about relationships so so we have our own individual patterns that we come into this world with. We have our karmic patterns. We also have our family systems um, patterns. We have the societal patterns. So this is like overlay of all of these different influences that could be driving our relationship, and we not might not even be aware of it. And I feel that, I mean, you asked, like, how did I go from, how did I get into doing relationship work and and truthfully because I've been married for 24 years and I don't my husband and I both say that if it wasn't for resonance repatterning we would not still be married what I found <laughs> was that when you when you get into a, a partner relationship a couple's relationship there's this soul level dynamic that's going on underneath the surface and if you can understand that it makes more sense and and you're you're able to bring more compassion into the relationship you're able to 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 cut your partner some slack like for me i always i always wanted to be a housewife i didn't want to be the breadwinner and i married a guy who is a musician he's a poet he's a shaman he's a mystic and he's not real good functioning in the workaday rat race so he's not the guy that's going to give me the financial security that I'm looking for. So that's kind of where my patterns always get triggered, right? So I married this guy that is like triggering the deepest patterns that I have. And it's very challenging sometimes. And it's very tempting sometimes to say, this is too much. I don't want to do this anymore. But I also understand that I can do it with him or I can do it with somebody else. I'm going to be doing it, you know, because they're my patterns that are getting triggered. Well, and and you brought up a good point right there is I can do it with this person or I can do it with somebody else. And if there's really love in this relationship, if there's really a connection there, um, if there's a soul process going on that the two of you have agreed to work through or to help each other through in this lifetime, then, you know, why not go through it with that person? Because, you know, if you don't, you're just back to square one, starting all over again <laughs> with the whole the whole right. process. And I think there's plenty of people that do that. They just keep saying, well, I'll just go start all over again. And then when it gets to a certain uncomfortable point, I'll I'll jump ship and I'll go find somebody else, <laughs> whether that's a coworker or a family member or a friend or a 
and, and I've watched this, what you're saying and friends, I've watched that jump ship pattern where they get to a certain point with people and this could be somebody that's been in their life for 20, 30 years or it could be somebody that's been in their life for five years and they get to a certain point and it's like all of a sudden they'll turn and attack, kick that person out of their life and then who's next in the line, you know, and they just repeat it over again. Right, and and what I see what happens is when you're in that pattern it's it's hard to get to to the real point of growth right the the critical point of growth because you get so close to it and then you jump ship and then you start a new relationship everything's fine then all of a sudden you start to get triggered. Your patterns are, are like rubbing against your partner's patterns. It's uncomfortable. So you either make the commitment to work through it together or you jump ship again. And if you, and if you keep jumping ship, you don't really get to the deep healing that could happen in the relationship. And, and I think that's what's really important, whether we're looking at that for a single incarnation or a single lesson or a bigger soul pattern is that these things will keep repeating over and over again until we decide we're going to face them. Right, right. And and I also want to make it clear that there are some relationships that are so unhealthy that they do need to end. I mean, if there's abuse going on, maybe maybe the life lesson and the soul level dynamic of that relationship is for the person who's being abused to come into their power and say, no, I, I choose not to have this and to end the relationship. So, and it, it's hard sometimes to know when do you end the relationship or when do you keep going. And I actually um, asked my guides about this, and they said you could ask yourself three questions is it w- to get clarity on whether it's time to end the relationship or not. Um, you ask yourself, D- does my partner have my best interest at heart? Is there more growth to be had in this relationship? And have I reached the threshold of my pain? <laughs> so... So, <laughs> I love the last one. <laughs> right, right. Well, and and this is big. I think there there are those things, and you know, I know I've broken some patterns over the years um, with this, you know, in relationships and things because it used to be I used to just let people walk all all over me, you know, they would go out and cheat or whatever else and, <laughs> you know, and eventually, as you said, you know, in my last one I said, okay, now I have to, you know, have the strength to walk away um, in things because this is this is not going to work. And, and I did and I deliberately chose not to be in a relationship again because I said, you know, you know, not that that's a never, never thing, but a you know, a, a aspect of I'm not going to get into another relationship without a, a certain amount of, of getting to know the person more. You know, getting mm-hmm. to know things so that these patterns are not repeated again. So, 
Um, you know, I, I'm glad that you're bringing that up because there are definitely points that we do need to pay attention to to walk away, as you say. Right, right. And and I, I also tell people, you're not going to repattern yourself into a relationship that's too small for you. You know, it's not like a shoehorn where you, you know, jamming your, your foot into this too small shoe. You know, if the relationship isn't a, isn't a fit, the repatterning is not going to fix the relationship. But what it will do is it'll help you to come to clarity around what it is that you want in a relationship, and it will help you to to end the relationship and to move on without a lot of drama and and pain so that you can do it in a more loving and compassionate way for yourself and your partner. And I, I think that's the important thing because, you know, that's really where we want to be. We want to take that next step. We want to take that, we want to grow out of that pattern, so to say, um, so that the next time around we're, we're not repeating that same pattern over and over again. So you're talking about these hidden patterns that are there. Um, you know, is there a way for us to identify them? I know, I know this process helps us identify them, but what are some of the examples maybe of hidden patterns or you know, what we could maybe be looking for that would identify that there's a hidden pattern there. Mm, Okay. So I'll give you an example from my own life. Um, My mother died when I was five years old. So that would be an abandonment pattern. And in my relationship with my husband, when we first got married, I noticed that we would have plans to go somewhere And then we would get into a fight as we were getting ready to go. And then my husband would say, well, I'm not going. So I'd wind up going by myself. And I didn't know, like, why this was happening, but I did realize after a while that this was something that seemed to be happening enough so that it caught my attention, so that it was, I kind of, after a while, I kind of just expected that I would be going (laughs) by myself. Um, whether it was a family party or, or whatever it was. Um, so so that's, that's an example of what a hidden pattern can look like, where there's this thing that happens in the relationship, and it happens over and over again. It might happen in different ways, but it's sort of a, it's a variation on the same theme. And so the repatterning process helps you to go and dig deeper, I, I, I call myself like a, a, a pattern detective to find out, well, where, where's this pattern coming from? What's, what's causing it, and how do we shift it? And my husband also has abandonment patterns as well that play out in the relationship in, in different ways. And so now that we are more aware of these abandonment patterns, we can bring more compassion and more understanding and and in that moment when the pattern gets triggered and it's up in our faces we can take a, a pause and take a break and say okay maybe we're not going to continue on in this conversation that is escalating into a big fight you know we'll take a break we'll come back and then we'll discuss it when we're both calmed down enough whereas before we might be just 
sort of going at each other and going at each other and not realizing what we're doing, but knowing that somehow all of a sudden we're in this big fight, whereas five minutes ago we were having a nice, calm conversation. I think this is an important thing because the patterns, as you say, are there and and they're in ways, as you're mentioning, that every time we do this, this seems to happen. And so starting with those more obvious repeating things, so to say, even though you may not know what's underneath that, just noticing that this happens every time this comes up, um, stopping and taking that observation in things I think is really, really important, um, which is what you're pointing out here, because that's where we can start to delve deeper into things. And it seems to me like there can be so many triggers and cycles then of each other just having one trigger after another <laughs> when you have right. some of those patterns going. And and it gets to a point, at least I know in my past experiences, that you start to expect, okay, this is going to happen. I know right. I asked for this. This is going to happen. This person's going to shut down or whatever the case is. And so either you stop asking or you're already putting in motion the energy to have that fight or that argument um, before it's ever happened because you're, you're seeing that pattern come forth. Yes, and, and what I've noticed in my own relationship, I can remember one time, this was back, probably we were married maybe, I don't know, 10 years or so, and I was feeling very unsupported around housework. And I was do, you know, going down this negative mental projection about, you know, my husband never does anything around the house. He's such a slob. It's always up to me. I'm always doing the housework. I always have to clean up after him. And, and just me going through all of those mental projections, that it's, it's kind of like on the unspoken level, that's what I'm telling my husband to do, right? Because there's an energetic interaction that happens. I'm vibrating at um, you're a slob, and he comes back with, yes, I am a slob. And and he shows me that by, (laughs) you know, leaving his shoes in the middle of the floor or or not picking up his coat or or whatever. So so I decided in that that day when I was feeling very, very negative about him and housework and the whole situation, I decided, well, let me sit down and do a repatterning session on myself. And so I didn't do a session on him. I didn't include him. I just focused on me my negative projections, all of the negative thoughts I had about it. I sat down and I did a session and I cleared all of that negativity. And that day when he got home from work, didn't he come in and he hung up his coat, he took off his shoes and he put them in the hallway instead of leaving them in the middle of the floor. He came in, he gave me a big smile and a kiss. He walked into the bedroom and he started to fold his laundry and put it away. And then he took out the vacuum, and he started to vacuum. And meanwhile, I didn't say one word to him about anything, about picking up or that I had done this session or anything. And to, 
that to me was it was a huge eye opener. I was like, oh my god! Like number one, this stuff really works, and number two, now I see the principle of resonance in action. What I am putting out, he's responding to on an energetic level, and he's giving it back to me. So in that session, I cleared all the negativity, all the negative projections, and I was resonating with, um, I feel nurtured and supported in the relationship. There's, we work together um, with harmony and love to, to keep our house neat and orderly. You know, I had all these positive projections that I had turned on the energy in my system around, and that's what he started to mirror back to me. Well, and it's true because this is this is very similar of what they've talked about, say, even in animal communication, but on a more magnified scale. You know, in animal communication, we're thinking, you know, so many people wonder why their animals don't obey, <laughs> and it's like because they're thinking they're saying come here, but they're they're seeing them run away, and you have to see them coming to you if you want them to come to you. And it seems like resonance repatterning is a very similar thing. You have to step in and tune into that action happening or or that flow of energy in order to create it to happen. And, and then you get uh, a beautiful side of the, the law of reflection <laughs> come into play. Right. Once you start to vibrate at a higher level, the people around you and train up to that vibration and they start to, to treat you in different, in, in a different way. They start to treat you at a higher level. This reminds us just how powerful we are. And I think this comes back to a key point that you're saying, which is this process is going to start with you, not the other person, not, waiting for the whole rest of the world to change, it starts with you changing. Yes, right. So so going back to, I told, talked about that soul level dynamic around um, security that I brought into the relationship and that my husband and I are both playing out together. So I had to deal with my own security issues. It wasn't about him going out and making a, a boatload of money to make me feel secure. I had to get that security within myself. And once I started to do that and work on my own insecurities and my own feelings of abandonment and being unsupported and there's no help available and, you know, on and on and on, then the dynamic in the relationship started to change. And actually, he started to change as well. It, the shift happened for both of us. He was his. You can kind of think of it as I. On the one hand, I had this issue around security. On the other hand, he had this issue around stepping into his power, and um, and receiving support and feeling that he was valuable and he mattered. Right. And so the whole the whole dynamic started to shift once I started to work on my issues, and then of course. He also is open to the work that I do, so we would sit down and both of us would do sessions together 
I would I would also give him sessions. So between working on myself, both of us working and doing couples sessions and him receiving sessions, we were able to shift the pattern so that I was feeling more secure within myself. That opened the space for him to actually go out and start earning money because because I felt like because I didn't feel like it had to come from me anymore and I wasn't looking for him to to rescue me. I was stepping into my power, he was stepping in, into his power and we were both allowing each other to to follow our own soul's evolution, which was a huge shift. It is and what you're bringing up it just shows some of those those bigger patterns that we tend to fall into and we you know we forget some of these dynamics because as a creative energy person he's going to definitely run on some feminine energy vibrations <laughs> and where you were there you know in some of those tougher fields to start with um, you know you had these different shiftings of the masculine and the feminine dynamics going on in your relationship, I would say. And, you know, what we talk about is we oftentimes forget, as you're bringing up, that men need to feel valuable as well. We oftentimes relate that to what a woman needs, but oftentimes men have that need. And, you know, why would somebody want to come home and clean house and do great things and to help out? if they don't feel valued, right? If, it, if they don't feel appreciated, why would they contribute? Like if any of us went to work and we weren't appreciated at our job, why would we keep going into that job? <laughs> We're not going to. We're going to go find a job that appreciates us. Um, I think it's that similar type of pattern in there that you're talking about. And um, like you say, you released your attachment. You released the stress and the pressure by doing this resonance repatterning to yourself, saying, okay, I'm not going to rely on him to go do this for me. I'm going to find this confidence myself or I'm going to get the security on my own. And oftentimes, like what you're saying, we connect it to, say, money um, or having a certain lifestyle but that security runs far deeper than just right. that's just money. Right. It's you know, the the trappings of what security looks like in the material world are 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 almost ir- irrelevant because it's more about that having that deep inner security, that feeling secure within yourself that that is really the important piece. And I think that's what's going on in the world today with um we had, you know, the economic meltdown. We have people that are um, finding that working for a com- a company or a corporation is is not the path that they thought it would be. Um, you know, people's retirements are are being taken away, you know, their pensions and things like that. What we what we were told is security. It seems like everything kind of got in flux and shifted around and so now we're being called to to look deep within ourselves to find our own sense of security. It's not going to be 
in this relationship with this person. It's not going to be working for this company with this huge 401k plan. It's about finding it deep within ourselves so that regardless of, of what's happening in the outer circumstances, we can maintain our own center of balance. And, and that is such an important point that you're bringing up, is that it is up to us to maintain our own center, our own means of creating balance for ourselves. I know people that have been following my path over the last couple of years in particular know that I was thrown with one thing after another, and you know I've, I've always enjoyed having the security <laughs> of knowing this or knowing that and the last couple of years shook all of that up and I think oftentimes wherever we most need to grow and maybe this is something you can talk more about is where we start to experience challenges so if I most need to become secure in my life then I'm going to probably have a lot of things coming up that are going to trigger my insecurity button. Yes, well said. Absolutely. And and that's that's what happens in couples relationships. The core unmet need that we have is is the core kind of pattern that plays out in the relationship. It's like our partner is going to trigger that unmet need over and over and over again to help us to to heal that and to meet that need finally. And it's, it's is, kind of counterintuitive. It is, and this is huge because this is where we can start to get the breakthroughs from what goes way back into our childhood programming. So if my childhood programming was all about my trust with people being broken, um, you know, people manipulated, people told me one thing and that's not always what happened, you know, or they had ulterior motives or things. And and going back into that, and these are things I've unearthed over the last few years, I realized that that connected to my relationship. And so I would naturally draw in people who I couldn't trust or who weren't trustworthy with me. And they would trigger those buttons over and over and over again. And, you know, I'm happy to say that now I'm at a point where I don't have to have people be trustworthy per se in my life because I've I've obtained a certain level of confidence and security within myself that if certain behavior is there, I'm not going to play that game or pattern anymore. Whereas right. pasta would have just kept going with it, and, and and then playing into the victim of poor me. Look, they're not being loyal, <laughs> you know. Right, right, and and I think that there's there's a subtle there's a subtle distinction um, between, on the one hand, resonating with something like resonating with I can't trust people. Right, if you resonate with I can't trust people you're going to attract untrustworthy people. But the other thing is you're also probably going to attract people who are trustworthy 
but you're not going to be able to recognize that, and you're not going to be able to see who are the ones who are trustworthy and who aren't. And so how that could play out in a relationship is, well, maybe your mate is totally trustworthy, but because you're resonating with, I can't trust people, you don't see it or you suspect him. So, so it's, it's, it's really a, um, it's a fine, fine line and a, and a distinction that I think is important to make and, and f- sort of navigating your way through that can be difficult because on the surface it looks like, well, nobody's trustworthy. I love what you're bringing up about this because this is one of those things where there are so many fine lines, and this is where, as you mentioned when we were starting into this conversation, Liz, about how each person is a little bit different. I mean, I think of how many people have those trust issues out there, but then when you start to get into these aspects, as you're saying, uh, of realizing we might have somebody trustworthy there, um, and we're not seeing that because we're so focused on this other pattern and what we're putting out. On the other hand, with that piece, um, we we also then have the, the many layers coming off of that of what is my definition of trust versus your definition of trust. Right, right. And, and what does that you know, it, what does that look like to that individual? Right, and and that's I think um, another important point that you bring up is, you know, I like to say that truth is not absolute. Truth is sort of in the in the in the eye of the beholder. What's true for me may not be true for you, and and how I perceive things is different than how you perceive things. So right, what what does trust mean? what does what does that look like well for me it might be one thing for for you it might be something else and that's where you can come in right <laughs> and help people bring that communication together to say yeah you think you're not betraying trust but to her that is betraying trust or vice versa in there or you you don't think you're a slob but to her you are a slob Right, right. You know, and that's the thing um, with the family patterns especially because, like, for instance, going back to the to the housework thing. So in in my upbringing, we would we'd wash the counter with a sponge, right? In my husband's upbringing, he would wipe the counter with a dish towel. And I think, you know, having a nice hot soapy sponge is the way to do it because it gets cleaner and then you don't turn your dish towel into a rag. But that's not his that's not the way he was brought up. That's not what his family did. Which way is better? You know, someone might say, Well, you're taking that disgusting um germy sponge and wiping it all over your counter. That's terrible, you know? It's where's the truth there? <laughs> It's in the eye of the beholder. Right. And some of these things we don't even think about because, as you say, we follow the patterns of family or what we were raised in or shown to do by our parents. And, you know, it wasn't that they were trying to show us anything wrong. They were just doing what they were taught, most likely. And 
sometimes until these things come up, we don't even stop to think about them and go, oh, yeah, there probably is a bunch of germs <laughs> in there. <laughs> and, and I've been in that place a lot of times and go, oh, yeah, I guess I never really looked at it that way or thought about it that way. And and so that's where this process can also be really valuable because you can really grow in your your perspective and your understanding and to look at things that maybe you just did kind of automatically. Right, right. Once you open up your pers- your perception to a wider perspective, you see things from a higher vantage point. And so you're able to rise above sort of the daily triggers and stressors. And, and you're able to see your partner from a higher perspective too. And that opens the space to bring more love and more grace into the relationship. Yes. And I think, I think these are where we get the big breakthroughs that bring us the big connection as well because I know that once somebody started to open up to me and share with me various things of what's gone on in their life, I could very much understand why they would get triggered by certain things or if they were willing to open up and say to me this is what this is about and I remember many years ago I had a relationship with somebody who had a lot of very strong perceptions of how things should be done and what should be done and who should do them but they didn't necessarily let me in (laughs) on those you know, until we had a few explosions in the relationship. And, you know, their perspective in some of our situations were they were really caring about me. My perspective was, oh, my God, you're more suffocating than my parents. (laughs) 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 And so, yeah, I think until we start to to open these doors and be willing to, to listen and to learn and to hear what the other person is saying and where they're coming from, um, for me, that's where some of the real magic is because I had no clue, for example, some of the way I was being until this person came out and said, you know, you are so selfish or you are so this or that. And I thought, no, I'm not. I've never been. (laughs) But when they started showing me certain things, I thought, you know what, you're right. I really have never looked at those things that way. And I think it, it takes an exceptional per person to, to be open to hear that kind of feedback. And that's one of the things that I found is that when you're able to clear your own anger, your own resentment, your own disappointment, your own negativity around a situation, then you can bring an issue to your partner in a way that they can receive it, that they feel safe talking about it. Because I know from my own experience, if I'm feeling angry about something and then I'm, so what do I do? I go into this whole strategy thing about how am I going to say this? I don't want to, you know, I don't want to cause a big fight, but I feel like I need to to bring this up. And then, um, you know, how am I going to bring it to them? And it's, it's this whole sort of, line of like inner like preparation that I have to go through and and all of that but if I clear the underlying patterns and the triggers 
I don't have to go through all of that. How am I going to say this? What if they don't receive it? Because it doesn't matter how you present it to somebody. If you're still carrying that underlying energy of anger or resentment or disappointment, they're going to pick up on it on the unconscious level. They're going to pick up on it. And that's, that's the tone that the conversation is going to take. And they're likely going to get triggered by your anger, your disappointment, your resentment. So if you can clear that out before you have the conversation, it's a totally different experience. And you'll find that usually the, the partner is open to hearing what you have to say rather than getting defensive and closing down. And and that is, that is so important. I I know that I talk about that as well in my book, that you do sometimes have to step away until you can get your mind clear because oftentimes when we are in these trigger spaces, we're on a reaction space and we're not listening. We're not willing to be receptive to what's being heard because we're too wrapped up in our own pain and our own triggers and frustration in in those moments. So um, as you say, I think a huge, huge key is being able to have that maturity to step away and say, okay, <laughs> talking right now is not going to work. You know, it's... Uh, it's just one of those things that we need to we need to wait until the weather is better, as they say, <laughs> before we get into this. Uh, you know, you don't you don't try to paint the outside of the house while you're in a torrential downpour. <laughs> right, right. But but even even I've noticed even when I've when I've done that when I've been in that situation where it's like okay I can see this isn't going very well let's take a break come back and discuss it later if the energy is still there okay so i'm not talking about so much the emotion of it i'm talking more about the frequency of it which is different because you can be holding a vibration and a frequency without being aware of that so even though maybe i'm not feeling angry if i'm still resonating with anger or if there's still residuals of a vibration of resentment on an energetic level it's like a lock and a key that they fit together right so that residual energy is going to trigger my partner and it's going to create an interaction but once you clear that energy once you actually turn off the vibration of it then it's, there's just a neutral space. It's the lock. It's like you've changed the lock. The the key doesn't fit in it anymore. So you don't have that same kind of interaction. It's a different experience of of how you're interacting. Now you're interacting at a higher vibration, a higher level, and a more loving space. So this is kind of like. You know, when we're in that angry space, we let go of the anger. But if we're still thinking, man, that person's a jerk, or I'll, I don't know that I'll ever be able to trust them, we're still operating on that frequency, so we're still going to be carrying that forward. It hasn't cleared just because we're not as angry as we were 20 minutes ago. Um, we actually have to get into that space to say, 
you know, what really attracted me to this person? What do I really love about this person? What what can I see in them that there's maybe my eyes aren't seen right now. Let me tune in to a different piece. Um, mm-hmm. What about tuning into my own piece even? <laughs> that, you know, having that confidence to say, you know, I can spot things and if things go down path A, this is my choice. If things go down path B, this is my choice. In the meantime, this is what I'm going to bring forward. Because as you say, if I'm sitting there and, you know, maybe I'm not angry anymore, but I'm still carrying that energy of not being worthy to somebody, then, um, you know, that's that's like sarcasm. It, it, it wouldn't matter what they did, is what you're saying. In a sense, it's not going to matter what they do. That's not going to go away. I've got to get myself shifted completely, not just out of the anger, but to that space that says, you know what, I am worthy. And I totally trust myself to take the steps that need to be taken by whatever direction things go. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And I know a lot of people in relationships, you're just like my mother or you're just like my father, and and it's those kinds of earlier experiences. There's a reason why we perceive our our partner as behaving like one or both of our parents. It's because we're still carrying the energy of those earlier experiences, the energy of that unmet need, the energy of the negative emotions that we had in that experience. And so when we get into a relationship, if a situation arises that's even vaguely similar on an energetic level, that's going to trigger the pattern. So all of a sudden, if you've ever been in a relationship and and you're having a nice normal conversation with your partner and then all of a sudden you're just yelling at each other like a couple of three-year-olds, that's what's going on, is like something got triggered from a very early age that now you're not you're not two adults like the adult has left the room you know now <laughs> now it's your inner child and his inner child are going at it and and there are a couple of 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 key um words that you can listen for so that you'll know when has the adult left the room so so once once the conversation moves into absolutes, like you always do this, I never do that, right? Who who speaks like that? Always and never um, absolutes like that. Little kids speak like that, right? So those two words will, will clue you into, okay, we are no longer two adults here. This is This is his hurt inner child is coming up. And so then... If you have the presence of mind, you can say, "Okay, so so what does his hurt inner child need? How can I how can I nurture that part of him that's that's showing himself?" And that that's a game changer. Uh, absolutely, I I find what you're talking about. I've used in my own life, and it is a huge game changer. Um, you know what 
what is really happening in the situation. It's not the immediate situation a lot of times, as you say, that the inner child is hurt, there's the fear going on, there's whatever it is that's going on. How do I love and support that? And that is such a powerful piece because that brings us into that unity concept that we, we, we stop the duality, so to say, in some ways. We uh, open that door then to the fact that you are me, I am you, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I want you to, to feel love. You know, that's what I want to project and that I, that's what I want you to feel. Yes, exactly. And and it's in some ways it's it's counterintuitive and it's kind of mind-boggling that that's the way that we humans are wired that that we're going to we're going to piss each other off <laughs> in order to to um to help each other heal. You know, why why is that? I don't know. You know, I got to a point where I consciously was asking myself on a regular basis in certain environments, is this really how I want to feel? Is this really how I want to be? And the answer was always no. (laughs) I don't want to feel crappy. I don't want to feel angry. I don't want to be this way with people. And I would stop and remind myself, okay, well, then you have a choice to be something different and be something different. You don't need to, to be in this space. So... Why, Liz, is it important for the masculine and the feminine to be working in harmony with each other? And and how do we really bring in this integration? Because that's a lot of what I deal with when I talk about relationships is the masculine and the feminine energy flow. And, of course, that's not restricted to the the physical sex that we are Um, and you know, that harmony is so important. And I have a feeling that goes beyond just man, woman, <laughs> one person being on the masculine vibe and one person being on the feminine vibe. Well, if you think of it, here on planet Earth, we're, we're in the realm of duality. So we do have the positive pole, the negative pole, masculine, feminine. And each of us has that energy within us. And we live in a society that has sort of elevated the masculine and and denigrated the feminine so whether it's whether you're a man or a woman there's this it's like we're being kind of torn in two there's this inner conflict so there are qualities that are quote unquote acceptable and qualities that we have that are quote unquote unacceptable and so how can we interact with each other in in a more peaceful and harmonious way if we ourselves are experiencing this inner conflict? There's this love-hate thing going on because we, we've been conditioned to to value one set of qualities over another set of qualities when the truth is everybody has all of the whole the whole gamut of these qualities, the masculine and the feminine. So again, it comes back almost like to the shadow work. So when you're able to to really access the full range of your masculine side, and certainly it's not about one's better than the other, it's, 
in each situation, which one do you want to call on? There are times when it's, it's appropriate and useful to be in your masculine energy, whether you're a man or a woman. There are times when it's useful and appropriate to be in your feminine energy. And so if you're able to, to access the full range of those qualities, it gives you a lot more choice and it also brings you a fuller experience of, of life and, and, of, and of other people. And, and then you can take that to another level, which is recognizing when somebody else is in their masculine or feminine. And so this comes to um, the polarity. The, um, it's like, like an energetic electric circuit. You know, the, the two poles um, create an electrical charge. That's, you know, the sexual excitement, the masculine-feminine polarity. When you're able to maintain that polarity in a couple's relationship, then the sexual aspect is, is more fulfilling because if you're both in your masculine energy, chances are you're going to start butting heads. If you're both in your feminine energy, it's going to be kind of like flat and neutral. But if one of you is in your masculine while the other is in the feminine, that creates that um, attraction and that excitement. And so being able to, to know when, you, when you're in your feminine energy and when your partner's in his masculine and vice versa, that can help you to also choose how you are going to respond in any particular moment. And, I mean, that, that's, that's a lifelong learning endeavor, I think. <laughs> what you're saying is huge, and I talk a lot about that in, in my book, You Me Life. Dreams, um, what you're what you're talking about here, and it is such a powerful piece when you understand those dynamics and you get yourself comfortable and being in both positions. Because you know there are times if your partner is being triggered, that they're not going to be clear-headed enough to make a decision. Uh, they they may not be in a position that they can deal with certain things, and you're going to have to step up and make those decisions. And then there's other times where, you know, they just need you to be in that nurturing space and not make any decisions for them. They need to talk it out, work it through, or whatever. So what you're talking about is a really, really powerful tool for us to develop. And I think, as you say, like you, like you say, it's kind of an ongoing learning experience because there's, in my experience, a lot of layers to that masculine and feminine energy, and sometimes they're very fine lines. Um, but as you're mentioning, some of the clues would be if the two of you are butting heads, you're probably both in that masculine space. And that's, I think, um, it's it's the wonder and it's the, the the challenge of relationship. You know whether it's a heterosexual relationship or or same sex relationship, um, and even it doesn't even have to be a couple's relationship. It could be um, you know with a friend or a family member or a colleague to to be able to to do that kind of dance from polarity to polarity to keep the relationship flowing. 
I, I so agree with you. Um, as you say, not just in relationships, but family dynamics, work dynamics, just out in the world. You know, it's, it's that that aspect of knowing when to step aside and let somebody make their own decisions and possibly fall <laughs> if that's what needs to be done. Or, uh, you know, when to reach out and give them a hug. And uh, it's, it is a beautiful dance once you learn how to dance it. Um, in, in my experience, I think I think it's just such a powerful piece for us to be able to develop. And I think that you certainly probably have a wealth of resources of tools that help people identify when they're in each role and when other people are in that role and how to to work on their skills uh, to to be there as needed. And I, I think that this also kind of segues into another dynamic, which is the codependent dynamic, which um, I think a lot of relationships struggle with that. And that's you can think of it like a like a triangle. There's there's the victim, there's the rescuer, there's the perpetrator, and and it's fascinating once you know the the signs. It's fascinating to look at relationship and see when that dynamic is at play and how people move through the different roles. And it can happen from moment to moment. And I think the codependent dynamic and the polarity aspect work hand in hand because I think as women, we're kind of we're, we're trained to be caregivers. We're we're trained to to defer and be submissive, and 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 a lot of times that turns into putting our own needs and our own wants and desires on the back burner, and focusing on the other people in our lives, and. The payoff for a lot of people is, well, then you don't have to look at your own stuff because you're so busy managing and fixing your your spouse or your, your children or your friends or your parents that you don't you don't have time to to take a step back and look at well what's what's my role in this because you feel compelled to be the rescuer. But what what happens is then at some point, usually the person that you're trying to rescue gets fed up and they they feel like, you know what, I'm kind of feeling disempowered here. I don't need your advice. I I can do it myself. And then you kind of turn into the the victim. I do so much for you. You know, I I try to help you and, and you don't want my help. I do so much and you don't appreciate it. So now the rescue has turned into the victim and the victim has turned into the perpetrator and it just it just you know continues along in this in this triangle this cycle of moving in and out of the roles and what you're bringing up is something that we often slip into without even being aware of it and i bet there's a lot of people when you first said codependent they said oh no <laughs> not codependent <laughs> But then when you start talking about these types of roles, 
I think most of us can say, oh, my gosh, I am codependent. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I am perpetuating this pattern in so many places. And and they're so easy to slip into, especially if we are not taking the time to reflect and pay attention to how we're being and what's happening. And And this is a big thing that I keep coming back to people with is, You've got to take care of people. You need to pay attention to people. You know, we're, we're not meant to be robots. We're not meant to be electronic equipment. And if you really pay attention to people and treat people like people, I think that's where we're going to break some of the patterns that you're talking about. And I, I think that we've been trained into these patterns and so it's hard sometimes to to change the pattern without without some support without some help because everything in society is telling you you're wrong when you when you try to shift out of a pattern because that's not quote unquote the way things are done um you know there's there are definite expectations of and societal norms that we have inherited and when you when you start to to break out of those it can um it can feel uncomfortable people can start to look at you funny um you know especially in the codependent realm once you start to set boundaries and and start to say no to people who maybe have in the past relied on you they may not like it and that's where I find the repatterning process is helpful because it can clear away some of those patterns so that it gets easier to to change the dynamic in the relationship without having to end the relationship. And couldn't this be a really powerful turning point for a relationship going through this process? Because then to engage your partner and say, look, I realize I am in this codependent pattern and I need your help to get out of this. So when I start to do this, I need your help by having you do this or give me some kind of code or give me some kind of indication that I'm there in that pattern so that I can break it. I think that would be really powerful. That would be really powerful and I think that you know the more that a couple can work together to to look at the patterns and to to make a conscious decision and an effort to change the patterns is wonderful. Um, but I also know that not every relationship is at that point. Oftentimes, there's one person in the relationship who is ready to make the change, while the other person is maybe even unaware of it, and then what can happen is people can say, well, um, if my partner would just do this differently, then (laughs) everything would be great. Or I think my partner should have some sessions with you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when I know there's codependence going on. But, But again, you know, to bring it back to, you can change these things within yourself without having your partner even know what you're doing. Certainly, if your partner can work with you, all the better. But 
but I, I wouldn't want people to lose hope and throw up their hands and say, well, there's nothing I can do because my partner's not going to be on board with this. Because changing yourself changes the dynamic in the relationship because you've, you've changed one part of the equation, and that's all that's needed. Liz, this has been such a powerful time having you on the show, and I think that you have given people a lot of information to think about and key points for them to take away from this that are going to be really valuable for them to use in their life. And and I think that um, you know certainly you're, you've, you've shown there's so much that you can help people with. I would love for you to take just a couple of minutes here because we're winding down in, to the end part of our show here um, to let people know if you've got any events or things that you're doing or going to be at or that are available that they can partake in, how do they reach you, and what you want them to walk away with today, what key thought or point do you hope everybody has been able to get on some level? Well, um, people can reach me at LizTobin.com. That's my website. And you can email me at ET, that's Elizabeth Tobin, ET at LizTobin.com. There there are three relationship um, repair videos that are on my site that you can download those. And there are a couple of, um, of free PDFs that go with the, the videos that will give you some tools that you can start to use right away. So I'd really encourage everybody to do that. Um, the other thing is if you're interested in resonance repatterning and you'd like to experience it, my husband and I do a free teleconference every month. And actually we're going to be doing one September 12th, so Monday night. Um, it's called The Gateway to Grace. And he he gives a channeled message and I do a little bit of resonance repatterning. So that would give you an opportunity to experience my work. There's... Um, you can get on my mailing list for that if you go to the events section of my website and look at the Gateway to Grace um, sign-up page so you can get the information that way. Um, what, I'd, what I'd really like to, to leave people with is that I hear from so many people that things are not the way that they'd like to be in their relationship. And, and mostly what I'm hearing is they're looking for their partner to change. And if there's one thing that you can take away, it's you don't have to have your partner change. The change comes from within yourself. And if you need some help and some support, I'm willing to help you. Um, there are other resources available. But that's, that's the first place to start. Stop looking at your partner to change and look at your own self because that's the point of power. That's where you can really start to make some some long-lasting and positive changes, not only in your relationship but in your life. I think that is truly a key, key piece to anything, as you say. Um, and I'm so glad you've got those things for people to take advantage of because I believe that it always starts with us. The rest of the world is going to respond to whatever we're doing <laughs> and whatever we're choosing in there. And 
and it is the key piece, as you say. It's amazing how people will shift when you decide to shift yourself. So yes. I want to thank you so very much for being on the show and sharing everything with people. Um, you are my final guest <laughs> on the wow. connection. And um, and it's a real honor because I know I booked you many months ago um, to come on the show. And at that time, didn't know you were going to be my last guest. But uh, my life is shifting in a way that is probably going to bring me more into traveling and being on the road. And it's um, not feasible for me to maintain a weekly show um, as these transitions that I'm going through in my life are happening. So... Um, I want to thank you for making that an absolute wonderful show with with a, being my final guest on. Oh well, well, thank you so much. I'm I'm honored, and and best of luck to you in in your new adventures. It's very exciting. <laughs> it it is very very exciting. Thank you so much. Uh, I do want to remind all of our listeners that there are still two more shows though, that we're going to be doing over the next two weeks. And next week, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking about releasing worry. You know, and this is, I think, just perfect between what Liz shared today, the last couple of weeks where I've had some really intense shows that were about programming and how we're programmed through TV and hidden agendas and movies and presidential follow-up stuff. I think it's time to release those worries. <laughs> and I think it's time for us to look at it and say, yeah, great, how do we deal with this world now? And that's what we're going to focus on is being that clear channel, being able to release among all of what is happening in the world. So definitely tune in for that. And then the following week, uh, it's going to be just an amazing um, accumulation of looking at the autumn equinox and a variety of different code pieces and looking at what's happening with codes and, Oh, my goodness, and, and listening to some great music from previous guests, and, and it's going to be really wonderful. It's going to be a great recap of the last four years um, and, and just the amazing memories and connections and people that have been a part of that time because I have been beyond blessed over the last four years with the guests that I've had on and what I've been able to share on the show. I do want to mention, don't forget, that again, the international bestseller that I'm a collaborator on, Embraced by the Divine, the Emerging Women's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose, can be found at embracedbythedivine.com. You can check out all of my work, by the way, from working with codes to monthly video tips, archive shows, interviews uh, that others have done on me, books, upcoming events, all of those great things at compassioncodes.com and I am in the process of developing and working up. Um, it, it takes a lot of restructuring with the codes because there's a lot of layers and a lot of depth to it, and I'm trying to bring out some ways that are a little more tangible and easier for people to participate in, take advantage of, and how I want to bring that out in events. But I am looking forward to moving that forward uh, over the next year um, coming up in 2017. It takes a lot of planning to plan ahead on some of these things that I'm doing right now. So I'm looking forward to integrating that and bringing that to you. So stay tuned with that. You can, again, connect with all of those things through the website, CompassionCodes.com. Don't forget, there's a lot of different shows here on Main Street Universe, and I know there's some incoming ones that are going to be really cool. 
Tuesdays, we have Susan Weed sharing her work in herbs and natural plants. Wednesdays, Daniel and Janice tend to pop their heads uh, in on the show. Sometimes they have a guest. Sometimes they're doing readings. Who knows? It's an eclectic blend of things here on the network, which is really fun. We have Jerem Baker pops in from Madame Laveau in New Orleans about once a month on the network. Um, a few others that are doing some sporadic shows on the network. So you just never know what's going to pop up and what's going to be here and what cool guest is going to be on. So stay tuned with that. Hey, this is Jesse on Nichols, George. And I'm so glad that you joined me here today and got a chance to listen to Liz and her work and the incredible things that she's doing with resonance repatterning. And um, I just want to thank, say thanks to all of our listeners, whether it's through Blog Talk Radio or uh, PEN, known as Pair Encounters Network, or StreamFinder, or TalkStream Live, or our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com, or through the YouTube version of the show. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives, and I'm going to leave you with the song Yearning For, also known as Over and Over. It's by Shemshai, so much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on The Code Connection. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind, I would soar to the edge of my mind. And to touch what seems unreal, just to show you the way that I feel. And we are in time with time, one with of change inside, and we are in tune with the tune, caught in a balance of sun and moon. Oh, deep inside, the light within, shining to show you it's here to begin, when all I
Your spirit, your heart, still young. 